Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries podcast brought to you by Deal Dash, Bet Online, and Manscaped. I'm your co host, Cody Darwick, joined by my brother out in Chicago, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, sports are back. We have things to talk about. I know it was a great week having the MLB back, the NBA uh, scrimmages going on. So it's it's been the most normal week we've had in a while, I feel like. Yeah, even small things like checking the Yahoo Sports app and seeing baseball box scores, I just like, it's kind of like a hit of dopamine every time. I'm like, yes, I actually, I can use this app now. There there are things uh, to use it for. But yeah, we got baseball's opening night on Thursday. The Giants teased us with six decent innings. Um, but the, the good thing is, it seems like truly in this 60-game sprint, like, 
we're we're going to be in for a chaotic baseball season, especially given the new rules, which passed right on opening day. Um, there are eight playoff teams in each each conference. Uh, the top two teams in each division get in, and then the best two records get in. The first round's three games each. What are your thoughts on that, Tyler? I think it's going to be great in a 60-game season where things aren't, you know, it's not a normal season. So might as well try new things, expanding the playoffs, throwing a little more variability in it, letting more teams in, I think will be fun. And did they end up passing that the division winners pick who they want to play in the first round? Good question. Unclear. We need a stat boy. <laughs> I, I saw, no, I saw Buster only put that out um, when it first came out that they were going to expand the playoffs. I'm not sure if they ended up agreeing on that part or it's just going to be one through eight seeding. But yeah, it's going to be exciting. Like a team like the Nationals, um, you know, they lost Rendon, no Zimmerman, Soto's out right now. Like if they get in, just say it's like the seven or eight seed. With that pitching staff, they can make a run, especially in the best of three series. So I'm excited for it. What did you think of Fauci's first pitch? So that was that was a bad omen, I feel like, to start the season. Yeah, that was really bad. I mean, I, <laughs> Twitter was on fire after that first pitch. Uh, Side-by-sides of that and the 50-cent first, uh, first pitch from a few years ago at Citi Field. Uh, jokes about flattening the curve. A, a lot going on after after that first pitch. That was tough. I mean... Obviously, you go out there, you practice in in kind of probably the tunnel beforehand. I assume you probably practiced leading to the week of. I'm curious to know, like, what percentile did that pitch fall in for him? Like, were all of his throws that bad, or was that just, like, the worst one? Too much popcorn. They, they had to be maybe not all as bad as that, but there's no way you're throwing perfect strikes in the tunnel and you get out and throw a pitch like that. He... He wasn't uh, practicing that well, I guess, but tough look for him. But yeah, it's nice to have games back on. What were you, I, I think we were differing. What were your thoughts on the cutouts behind home plate and I guess scatter around the stadium? Uh, I don't, I don't like the cutouts. I think the first inning, you're like, oh, people, and then by like the ninth pitch, you're like, I, I don't like it. It's fake. It's, it's weird. The crowd noise, I've liked. Um, but the cutouts, I'm I'm not here for. You like the cutouts? Yeah, I don't hate it. It gives gives a little semblance that there's some there's some people there. Obviously, it's fake, but it's better than the entire stadium just being empty, in my opinion. And especially baseball is tough. Like the NBA, they could put the cameras in a way where you obviously there's no fans there, but it doesn't like appear that way. Like the MLB, if you hit a fly ball, like they're panning the whole stadium. Like yeah. there's no way around it really. So seeing mm-hmm. the cutouts there, even what Fox did with like the 2K fans or the MLB the, the show virtu- fans, the virtual fans, yeah. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it to be honest. Uh, they were doing in the Giants game. The only thing I didn't like was they were like go they would go to it one time. They wouldn't have it another time. So, like yeah, be they, consistent. They, it, was, it wasn't consistent, right? It, that part was weird to me. Um, I think I'm, I'm more pro virtual fans than I am cutouts. Um, I do think it's funny that if your cutout gets hit, they'll send you the ball. I think that's a good wrinkle. Oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but do we want to talk about um, how our how our opening day picks did? So Tyler, if you didn't tune in, if you don't follow me on Twitter, my first five unders went ten five and one between Thursday and Friday. Your um, first your first five. My, fir- uh, my first five unders, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was nice. And Waters quickly found its level. I think I'm over four on my picks since then. Uh, so it, it just it, it feels good to be back. There's a couple of 
there's a couple of bad beats mixed in there. I think Joey Votto had a late home run in the fifth inning that was a push, things like that. You had you had the Mets while, and that was tough. Yeah, the Mets first five, and it's it's sad to lose a bet. It's sad to have a bad beat, but I'm happy to have that rush back in my life. Yeah. I had the Mets first five. I think it was their first game. Yeah, with first, DeGrom. Yeah, versus the Braves. It was 0-0, bottom five. I forget who's up for the Mets. Hits a ball to center field. NCR day on the Braves goes back, robs a home run. So I would have won that bet. Just having that feeling like I'm going to win. Like it's like a, essentially a walk off home run and he, and he robs it. Like having those highs and lows, it's great to be back. Um, yeah, you were right on the first five trends. So it's been four months since we've, you know, really been gambling. So I was due for a rusty start. I had a rusty week. So only can go up from here. And as our friend Dan from Cleet Street said, trends are n- <laughs> trends are not your friend. So I'm I'm not taking anything you say uh, seriously as far as the unders go. But what were what were some of your takeaways from you know the Giants and the other teams you've liked uh, so far? Uh, I very much enjoyed ESPN's graphic on uh, Mookie Betts and Bellinger being in the same lineup, two MVPs. And then just like you look at the rest of that lineup and essentially besides Austin Barnes, all of their other players would be the Giants number three and or four hitter. Uh, the Giants trotted out an opening day lineup that included Pablo Sandoval hitting third, Hunter Pence hitting fifth, and it's 2020. Um, so that that was tough. But uh, around, around the rest of baseball, I mean, I think it was funny because I looked at the standings today. There are only three going into Sunday. There are only three undefeated teams. Um, so, I mean, so it's only been a couple days, so hard, hard to have takeaways. A guy that looks good so far and the 60 game season may be perfect for him is John Carlos Stanton. He's hit two absolute missiles, um, so far, especially it, with no fans. Right. So if he can, if he can stay healthy, uh, John Carlos is a power guy that has these stretches throughout his career where he has like insane months and seems like he gets hurt. 60 games may be a perfect thing for him. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And even for like Garrett Cole, you know, there's a ton of pressure when you go to the Yankees and sign a huge contract like he did. We saw with Stanton when he went there, he struggled and had issues like for Cole to start his Yankees career with no fans. I think there's a lot less pressure than having uh, people booing him and even a Yankee stadium attacking him team whose like lineup is just a team who's underrated in general, I feel like is the twins. Um, their lineup is loaded. Nelson Cruz is still hitting bombs he's 42 he has seven rbis today i feel like that was a team that maybe went under the radar a little bit i mean they won 100 games last year good last year yeah hopefully they just don't play the yankees yeah and, and then more like going into this year with the hype around like the white Sox, um kind of being the up-and-coming team i feel like people forgot about the twins i mean the twins lineup is deep and they're really good so uh i think they're a team to watch out for as we kind of go on and even two teams that go into the season with no hopes at all the marlins and the orioles they're both two and one right now <laughs> um, so it's that's that's the thing that's crazy like each game is the equivalent of like 2.7 normal games a four game losing streak is the equivalent of an 11 game losing streak so everything's kind of just like t- turned up and and we'll see we'll see what happens um i just did just see this verlanders after the season what yeah, what happened just, elbow i don't know uh on mlb.com so that's that's breaking news maybe on the podcast um but so the astros run into a little bit of karma there um 
Yeah, that's that's not good for them. I mean, they started two and zero. Another team who's probably thankful, no fans. But yeah, that, that uh, yeah, I would say they hit the jackpot with this whole thing. Yeah, that's that's a tough blow for them. Um, going back to the Dodgers, I mean, their lineup is just absurd. Like Jock Peterson, he bats towards the bottom now. Just like all the guys, like Max Muncie, who bats leadoff. I think I saw he's hit 70 home runs the last two years. Like they just have so much power and just shows like how far behind the giants are. And, you know, Walker Bueller hasn't pitched yet. Uh, Kershaw didn't pitch opening day. Like, and they trot out this guy, Dustin May, who's a stud. Like they're just so deep and it's like their scouting has just been like incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Freeman, the guy from the Rays that's there is just, I mean, they're an absolute juggernaut. Um, but yeah, I've, and I think the thing, like I was talking to our dad about this, that I've realized there's been so much excitement for baseball. I think Yankees Nationals was the most watched regular season game in like nine or ten years. Rebel tweeted it out. People are so excited. And then I'm curious to see what happens once the NBA and NHL comes back, because this is going to get drowned out. We know that, that that the NBA playoffs will probably be king until the football uh, season resumes. Baseball really, they just, it, it proves how much they squandered the month of July. Yeah. And even, even June, I feel like they could have potentially been playing sooner. Like you said, the Rovell tweet with the Yankees ratings, like that's great and all. I don't think that's a product of people are just so happy, are going to be so into baseball. That's more just, we've had nothing and there's nothing else on that more people are going to watch it. But I think as NBA comes back next week and you throw the NHL in there, like you mentioned also, it's going to go back down as you said water finds its level um but we did we did have an nfl trade we also wanted to talk about this week jamal adams gets traded to seattle i I think it's a good move for both teams honestly the jets get a ton back obviously giving up a player like jamal adams the draft picks you get back are guys you want to get a jamal adams back but to load up like that for a guy who clearly just didn't want to be there anymore uh, i think that's a great deal for them when i don't think they had a ton of leverage and then for Seattle, this is a devastating blow. <laughs> yeah. So let's. So the trade was Jamal Adams in a fourth in 2022 for Bradley McDougal, a first next year, a third next year, and a first in 2022. Uh, but yes, in terms of next year for Seattle, us being 49ers fans, anyone who's a fan of a team in the NFC, this is a major pickup. Um, for for a Seahawks team that last year was largely buoyed by Russell Wilson and his ability, the the defense was solid, um, but it wasn't it wasn't like a Legion of Boom s defense or anywhere close to that. Jamal Adams is one of the best players in the NFL, and they just got him. They obviously went all in on him, um, and it may over time kind of uh, lessen the rest of their team giving up those picks, but. A 2020-2021 Seattle team is going to be an absolute juggernaut, and it's I'm not excited about it. No, and especially because Clowney, Clowney is still just hanging out there. Right. Someone's going to pick him up. Maybe they re-sign him for a one-year deal, but they're definitely pushing all their chips into the middle. You know, we saw with the Rams last year with uh, Jalen Ramsey. It didn't really work out for them, and now they have to give him another contract. So maybe the Jets at the end of this become winners um long term but I, th- I think for a seattle team that is in win now mode you have probably the, i think the second best quarterback in the league you make the move yeah. build the 
build that defense back up. I saw they had their worst opponent QBR last year under P. Carroll. So Edge Jamal Adams, that's a huge boost. So it, it, was, it was sad to see the news uh, as a 49er fan that he's going to Seattle. Any other team probably would have been fine. Yeah, I hate to say this, but right now looking at the odds on Bet Online NFC Championship, Seattle's ten to one still. They're fifth there. Uh, I think this move obviously impacts that quite a bit, um, but nobody nobody wants to see that. No, I mean the thing with Seattle last year is they won so many just like absurd games, like the 49er Monday Night game. Like they were losing so many games at halftime, they ended up winning, and they won a lot of one-score games. Teams typically regress from that. I'm hoping that's the case with them, but as we've seen with Russell, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll, yeah, it doesn't matter. Another year of DK Metcalf. The running backs were injured at the end of the year. If they yeah, say a little help, like I, I, I think they're gonna be good, but it will be interesting to see. I don't think there's no be home field. Yeah, yeah, they're not gonna have the home field, so that negates a lot. So it, it'll be interesting. But again, it was it was fun to have like these type of topics to discuss on Twitter rather than all the depressing stuff that's been happening the last few months. So it's been a step in the right direction this week. Correct. We'll definitely take all the wins we could get on that front. Um, but we had an awesome interview. Uh, we had Mo on who has a podcast through the athletic. He's a writer for bleacher report. He used to work for the Clippers, the Spurs. Uh, he went to the Olympics with the Australian men's national team. So great conversation with him talking about his kind of experience as a video coordinator and then what he's up to now and uh, his thoughts on the NBA restart. So let's kick it to the interview with Mo. Go give him a follow on Twitter and then we'll be back at the end with a quick recap on this past week's double shot episode. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that the auction clock restarts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer on, or the item is yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners an extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code FULLSLATE or DealDash.FM backslash FULLSLATE. That's DealDash.FM forward slash Full slate. Okay, and Tyler and I are very excited to welcome to the Full Slate Airwaves Mo DeKeel, podcaster at The Athletic and writer for Bleacher Report, covering the NBA. Mo, how you doing on this Sunday? Man, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing. I'm, I'm hanging in, man. I'm doing as well as as you can in the situations. Yes, yes. Well, luckily we we finally got the NBA back. We had some uh, scrimmage games earlier this week out in Orlando, and the real show starts. Um, but before we kind of dive into the restart and all that stuff, Mo, you've worked for the Clippers, Spurs, helped out with the, the Australian national team. So tell us a little bit about your background and and working for some of those teams. Yeah, I'm a former NBA video coordinator. I was in the the league for eight years. Uh, you know, I had two different stints with the Clippers and, and the Spurs wedged between there. Uh, worked for Team Australia during that time in the off seasons up till the 2012 Olympics. And before all that, I was, you know, been working in basketball since I was 18 as a student manager, junior college, transferred to USC and, and all of that. So just been around the game for quite a while. 
What was it like being around Tim Duncan, one of, you know, the obviously top 10 player of all time, but I feel like we don't hear a lot about him. He's a pretty quiet guy. What was it like being around him day to day? Yeah, I mean, he's still pretty quiet. Uh, yeah, he listen, Tim's just a big dork. Uh, and I mean that in the nicest way possible into video games, into paintball. Uh, now he's into MMA as well as, you know, this year he's been an assistant for the Spurs, but, you know, he's got a whole bunch of different things that interest him and, he kind of dives into all that stuff, but he on the court in the locker room, you know, he, he carries himself as a very humble person. Cause he is, he's just good dude, you know, no real diva ish tendencies in him or anything like that. You know, he, he's just awesome. And then he's just a hell of a basketball player to watch. Mm-hmm. How was it working for Popovich? Pop's the best man. Like, you know, uh, you, besides the basketball stuff and everything you're going to learn, on that end from him and, and somebody who's as smart as him, you know, off the court, he's well-read, he's well-rounded, you know, as we know, he always talks politics and things like that, but, you know, he's got a hell of a sense of humor as well. And he's going to play a practical joke here and there, have fun with the guys and things like that. I, I kind of look at pop as like, he's kind of the grandpa you wish you had, uh, in that sense. And, and I think he's a, a better man than he is a coach. And I think he's one of the best coaches, if not the best coach we've had in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And you, and you uh, started working for them in 2009. I was just looking, cause I was like, did they win a title when he was there? We so they did went, not. They, they went, they went Oh three Oh five Oh seven. Mo, what happened when you, I showed there? up. Apparently I showed up. Uh, no, I, I came in in Oh nine. That was the year we, we had yeah, traded for Richard years. Jefferson too. And that was, Everybody was picking us, and it took us kind of a while to figure it out uh, with RJ. You know, the following year, we were were the best team in the league. We were 60-plus wins. That was the year Dallas won. But unfortunately, we ran into Memphis in the first round. You know, that was one of those uh, eight seeds to upset a one seed. And what doesn't get talked about too much is that Manu actually got hurt the last game of the regular season. And – Ended up really hurting us come the playoffs. Uh, I honestly think if we get past Memphis, uh, I do have a ring in my uh, on my hand if that was the case. But unfortunately, not so much. Yeah, that was that was the first year Memphis kind of came onto the scene. I feel like with Conley and uh, Gasol and Randolph, and obviously surprised everyone when they upset you guys in the first round. And then from there, you went to the Clippers. And I feel like when people look back on the 2010 decade in the West, they'll think, oh, the Thunder didn't win a title. I feel like the Clippers are kind of in that category as well with Chris Paul and Blake Griffin. Why do you think that ended up falling apart? Yeah, it was hard. Uh, First off, I ended up playing Memphis two more times in the playoffs. For three straight years, I played Memphis in the playoffs. I ended up developing a real dislike for the city of Memphis because (laughs) because more just the, the outcomes of those series versus the actual city itself. But you know, to your question, it's more like it. it's one of those things where Chris Paul came in and all of a sudden we became contenders overnight. But Blake Griffin had never played in a playoff series. DeAndre Jordan had never played in a playoff series. And you had two real key parts that were on different timelines than Chris in terms of their development and things like that. And it just takes a long time to figure that out. And, you know, Chris is urgently trying to win a championship because we all know the legacy side of things you know those guys are young and they may not necessarily have gotten it the way they um 
I don't want to put it on them in a bad way. It's just kind of didn't, they weren't ready for that yet. And I think that's just kind of evolution from young players to, to veteran players. And, and it just never meshed well. Mm-hmm. It, what was it being like being around Chris Paul day to day? One of the best point guards to ever play, like you mentioned, has had his issues in the playoffs. Um, but it's kind of like a known alpha dog competitor. And then pairing that up with Blake Griffin that now we see kind of has this whole comedic side. So was that something that you felt like was going to work or not really? No, I thought, you know, the two of them could definitely work. And it did. I mean, we were pretty damn good basketball team, you know, through those runs. Uh, they were, I, I was gone by then, but they were, you know, we're up three, one on the Rockets to go to the conference finals. I mean, they're, there have been some unfortunate bad luck too. You know, the Blake Griffin breaks his toe in one series and he's out, you know, Blake and CP both get hurt in that Portland series. And that's the same time when golden state was down because Steph Curry had, had uh, sprained his MCL. Like, you know, there, there's just some bad luck behind that in that sense. But, you know, it gets a little difficult with the alpha dog stuff sometimes, but overall, like, in the locker room, it wasn't like we had serious tension or anything like that. You know, it was just these guys are on different wavelengths. I mean, Blake's in his early 20s. CP's a family guy. It's a whole different vibe, mm-hmm. you know. it's that That's the issue, and I think that was kind of the stuff that made it difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw on your website, the jump ball on that, you posted a clip of Jamal Crawford shouting you out during his sixth man of the year speech in 2014, so... Congrats. That's an awesome moment for you. Are you are you surprised that he is? I mean, he's lacing up to play in Orlando. Do you think he still's got it or what do you what are you expecting from him? I'm not surprised. Jamal wants to play and he's he's always going to be able to score. You know that like that's just what he does. It's ingrained in him. He's he, he, he can do it in his sleep and he did it to me a ton, against me a tons of times after practice. Uh but he, he's got the skills. I think, you know, look, his last game last season in Phoenix, he dropped 50. I don't know if that's what he's going to be able to do in the bubble. But if you're thinking he can't get 15 or 20 right now, I think it's kind of uh, silly. Is it going to be the most efficient? Probably not. But, you know, it's, it's <laughs> you know, that the team he's on in Brooklyn, they're going to need all the firepower they can get. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any good stories from Jamal Crawford and some of those one on one games? Because I feel like he's the kind of guy that you'd be like, you look at him, you're like, all right, he's he's wiry. He's not that tall. But like the cross, I feel like you just hit every kind of ridiculous fadeaway jumper in your face. And, and that's it. There was no stopping. him. I mean, also, let's start with the fact that I'm 5'10", right? Like, I'm not okay. really going to stop <laughs> dudes that much bigger. Uh, I can play a little physical defense, but that's about it. Uh mm-hmm. You know, but he, he's got some moves to him and, and, and he's got a lot of shake to him and things like that. It, it, it was just fun times. And, you know, he's one of the best human beings I've been around. One of the nicest guys, you know, always smiling, always kind of upbeat and ready to kind of, you know, pick people up. So it was always fun to just be around Jamal. As a video coordinator, you know, breaking down film, looking at opponents, who's a guy that you scouted against in the league that, you didn't think get an, got enough credit for how talented he actually was? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, man, that's uh, you put me on the spot there, Tyler. I, I, I don't <laughs> no, know. No pressure. I don't wow, know if Tyler. I necessarily even have, a, have an answer. But just across the board, there are always guys that you're just like, 
Sasha Vujicic? No, he's not. Definitely not one. Oh, I'm definitely not on. worried about Sasha. Come, come on, on, man. Sasha. What's the Cody? What's your love for Sasha? You uh, can't have your own nickname. We're 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 both Lakers guys, so have a have a love for Sasha. Like, and I, I mean, post Kobe uh, <laughs> passing away, there's a lot of love there. Where uh, they're good stories about Kobe seeing a little uh, of himself and Sasha just irrational confidence. Yeah, except when the lights turned on, he couldn't make a shot. Yeah, yeah. He, had a, he had a couple moments. He had a he's, couple moments. He's what you call a practice player. He looks awesome in practice. And then when you put him on in the games, it's like, come on, man. He, he may take one too many jumpers. <laughs> uh, I don't have an answer for you, Tyler, though. Unfortunately, my, I'm getting too old. My memory's fading. <laughs> Or, no. or even, or even like a, a player that when you're studying was always just like, if you felt like you gave the coach him hints or feedback to try and stop them, but it just ultimately maybe didn't matter. Was was there one guy like that? Well, I mean, like Kobe. I mean, Kobe was just one of those guys. We would put together game plans and things like that, and we would all look at each other, the coaches and stuff. We'd be like, look, we're gonna do all this, and then he's gonna, you know, find a way to break it apart by the third quarter. You know, that's just his. <laughs> IQ was always working. It's kind of funny. Uh, this is going to be an old. I wonder if you even consider it an old movie reference at this point. Uh, Jurassic Park in the first one. You know mm-hmm. they're always talking about how the Raptors were testing the cages, the electric fences. You know and learning from that. And that's kind of how Kobe was. You know usually, you know by the first second quarter he gets an idea of what you're trying to do defensively. And if you don't change or make any adjustments at halftime, he starts to pick you apart. So I mean it's just one of those things. He was. He was a tough guy to game plan against. Yeah, I imagine Kobe, LeBron, Kevin Durant, you could game plan as much as you want. Those guys are going to get at least 20 every night. I was curious, you started working for USC in 1999 and uh, through the NBA through the years. The way basketball has changed with, you know, now it seems like all teams do is shoot threes, get into the paint and shoot foul shots. Are you a fan of that or did you like the way the game was played kind of when you started your career with the mid-range more of an emphasis? Well, I think it's a a little different, you know. I think the, it, it, I think it's a mistake of teams to just go three point shot and and layups, you know. Like you you everybody thinks that's what the Warriors do. No, they're they're pretty good in the mid range as well, and they run a lot of motions and actions out of it. You know, Houston, who's the team that really does it the most, hasn't gotten to the finals yet. You know, granted they went 0 for 27, which is freakish in its own right, but. You know, they they are kind of the, the tentpole for this. And it's a difficult way to win just because I always say you're ignoring basically two thirds of the court by doing that. And it's easier to defend and things like that. You know, the the I, I'm not too worried that the game's just going to become threes and layups. You know, teams are going to adjust and, and whatnot. And you see come playoffs, you got to be able to hit all sorts of shots. You know, the mid-range matters more in the playoffs than it does in the regular season in the sense of teams are breaking you down, they're they're scouting you, they know what shots you want to take, so you have to hit the shots you don't normally want to take. And I think that's kind of the, the game plan there in that scenario. So I'm not too worried about it. It's, you know, I'm always going to love watching basketball. So for me, it's never... Mm-hmm never been an issue but it ha- it is fun to kind of watch the evolution and see where we're going to go next which you know who knows where we're going to end up mm-hmm. it is crazy even like during covid when you're just watching reruns of old games watching like the steve nash and dan tony's sons who like i felt like they got 
uh, flack for shooting as many threes as they did. But if you put that team in today's NBA, like it feels like that's uh, <laughs> it would have been a whole nother level. Yeah, I mean, they would have been one of the the lowest three point field goal attempts, you know, if just that. Yeah. You know, and that's one of the, that's one of the things Nash says, you know, D'Antoni's. They both say they wish they shot more threes back then. Yeah, they were yeah. along the right path, you know, and they were playing a faster pace and they had an unbelievable pick and roll game. And, you know, I think that's something that that's a team if you put in now and, you know, adjusted per their per the way the game's played now, they'd be a really difficult team to defend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're they're another level. I want to so before we kind of hop into what's going on with the restart in Orlando and predictions there. So you helped out with the Australian national team, went to the Olympics in 2012. What was that experience like? And I believe uh, Brett Brown was a head coach, right? Yeah, and that happened because I was in San Antonio. So you know the the short of it is in San Antonio, I was paired up with Brett Brown as his you know video assistant. Mm-hmm. And he was already the Australian head coach. And at the time, he would just have me do some you know, projects for him for the Australian national team. And they're coming up on the it was the world championships in Turkey in 2010. And he just kind of turned to me towards the end of the season. And he's like, yeah, so I think you need to fly to Australia this date. And, you know, then you're going to fly out of Turkey, you know, whenever the tournament ends. And I just kind of looked at him like, well, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, no, you're coming with me to Australia. Like you're doing the whole thing. You know, he's like, pop cleared it. RC cleared it. They're excited for you. I'm like, all right, well, great. Okay, let's go. And that led to the three years. And it probably some of my fondest basketball memories, you know, just being around that team, you know, at the time Joe Ingles was there and he was playing in Europe. Uh, Matt, Matthew Del Vadova was uh, in college at St. Mary's. You had Patty Mills, who was still trying to find his way within the NBA in Portland. Aaron Baines hadn't become a NBA player yet. You know, you had a bunch of guys. And then some guys, you know, people probably never really have heard about. But Matt Nielsen, who was the captain of our team, like all those guys kind of just accepted me right away from day one. And, you know, they're like, yo, he's he's one of us. He's with us. And from that point on, like, it, it was awesome. A great experience. And then getting to be part of the Olympics, you know, was so was cool. an, unreal, dude. Unreal. Getting to be at the Olympic Village and checking that out. Um, you know, and a fun, cool side story is I was with the Clippers at that point. I had just finished my second, my first season with them for my second stint. And that was Chris Paul's first season. After we play our first game in the Olympics, you know, some our team manager comes up to me and says, hey, man, there's a guy waiting for you outside, uh, outside the locker room. And I walk out and it's Chris just going like, man, what's going on? Trying to check in and seeing that stuff. So it was fun in that sense. I mean, I loved it, dude. It's, it, you know, very few people could say they worked in the NBA. Very even fewer get to say they were part of an Olympic team, which I was. So mm-hmm. I'm pretty lucky in that sense. Yeah. What, what were the, like the uh, so Brett Brown's accent paired up with the Australian accents? <laughs> it's called it's called it's called Australian. Yeah. Okay. It's it's half Boston, half Australian. So the thing about Brett is that Brett Brown spent 20 years coaching in Australia before he went to the Spurs. You know, and and that's kind of like he became. You know, so he's a guy that lived in New England and comes so to Boston, funny. develops that accent. It's it's always funny, you know. He's got so he has that Australian accent. And now it's probably mixed in with a little bit of Philly in him. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. 
Yeah, it's, it's it's a good one. I, I want to ask you before we do get to the bubble. You mentioned your first year with the Clipper, your second stint, first year back with the Clippers was when Chris Paul got traded there. What was your thoughts on the whole trade that fell through with the Lakers? Because it looked like he was going to the other LA team. Cody and I were very excited, and then <laughs> a day later, uh, David Cern vetoed it. And yeah, we're we're, 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 we're still bit, a little bitter. We're we're not bitter eight years later. Listen, guys, I'm going to give you the rundown of how all that happened. Okay. I'm going to break it down for you. It's pretty simple, though. Like, so the trade's going down. He's going to be a Laker. Then Chris found out that I was going to be the video guy with the Clippers. (laughs) And he just kind of was like, hey, no, I want to go be with Mo. Uh, All right. I guess that's the end of this interview. (laughs) It was a good run, guys. Uh, No, you know, obviously super excited it's it was extreme emotions in the sense of it was bad enough we weren't getting him it was worse that he was going across the hall to the lakers you know and this is one of those times where the clippers are just kind of beginning to be on the rise you know we got some excitement there's a chance before we had chris paul it was one of those things where we might be able to sneak into the playoffs as an eight seven seed you know if the schedule breaks right and everything works out you know, so we're kind of excited. We hear Chris is going to the Lakers, and it's just like, damn, man, this sucks. You know, um, you, you you feel like we're just going to, again, be an afterthought in L.A. You know, and then when the trade gets vetoed and we find out, like, oh, we can actually jump in back in on this. You know, we, we don't hesitate, and it's just pure elation when you get him. I mean, you know, the it, you guys went the other way. Like we swung this way on the pendulum, you know, we, we, we crossed by each other. I went from being pretty sad to being stoked and you guys went from being pretty stoked to being pretty pissed. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, uh, that's an accurate description of it. Um, but yeah, let's, let's talk about some, some happier moments here. We have basketball back. Uh, the bubble has restarted. Um, we've gotten some good content out of it already. Tyler and I have spoken about it. It's like, you have all these NBA players that are essentially at like sleepaway camp together right now, which has been entertaining in its own right. Um, but the games have started this week. Some, some like Twitter, NBA Twitter has been all about bull bull and the nuggets, the way he's <laughs> looked. Um, this, the Sixers are stirring up a lot of excitement. Uh, Mo, how much how much can we really read into these scrimmage games? How much, or is it just like kind of glorified summer league at this point? You, the stuff you're going to look into in these scrimmages is kind of just see where guys are at physically, how they're feeling, how they're moving. You know, like getting super excited about Bowl Bowl and Twitter going nuts. You know, was like everybody needs to calm down a little bit. Like this is part of the the thing of this is a team that is decimated with, with guys not being there very shorthanded. Like how much is bowl bowl actually going to play is really the, the question if they're fully healthy, you know, and, and, and everybody kind of just got carried away. Part of it was we haven't seen basketball in four months and everybody just lost their minds, but the stuff to watch for besides just conditioning and that stuff is, is how teams are playing and adjusting and if, are they doing different things, you know, and that's kind of where the excitement for the Sixers come. Cause they look a little bit different. They feel different when you watch them, uh, you know, just watching them this morning, you kind of felt like there's a little bit of a vibe to them. And uh, Brett Brown was even talking about it, you know, saying like, Hey, like he's like, it's really interesting being around these guys. Like they feel like they can pull this off. And, you know, sometimes that's all you need. And, and for this, kind of 
situation with the scrimmages, I wouldn't freak out if your team goes 0-3, and I wouldn't be all excited if your team goes 3-0. and You know, it's still preseason. You know, I think the important thing to me is never the the final score, but just what are they doing on the court? How does it look? You know, do guys look energized? Like Boston, for example, that first game Boston played, they looked terrible defensively, uh, you know, and just didn't even look motivated or anything like that. You know, that play today, they looked a lot better, a lot smoother, were more into it. You know, I think there's it's those things that you're trying to watch for and see how these guys go into this uh, seeding games that we're going to be starting here pretty soon. Yeah, I think even with some of the seeding games, depending on what team it is, they might take that even as a preseason just to kind of get ramped up for the playoffs. I saw you tweeted earlier, and I thought this was pretty interesting. You thought there would be more pressing uh, once games resume. Why, why do you think that is? I just think it's a good way to mix things up. Like stuff we've seen in these scrimmages is a lot of teams are pressing right after free throws. That's actually something that you used to see quite a bit from like the Bulls in the 90s. Uh, you know, that was like a, a big part of their, their thing, you know, was like, okay, we can set up a press immediately after a made free throw. And I think you'll see a little bit more in terms of that just to try to speed the game up necessarily. If you feel like you have the advantage in terms of legs and you guys have the conditioning ahead, you might want to try to do that. I think there's a lot of different ways in which you can deploy a press. I don't think you can do it for a full 48 minutes but just little opportunistic ways. And I think that's just one of them. I think we'll see a, a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't see too much variation on NBA defenses other than typical man-to-man. So we'll see if that changes. What's kind of your overall thought, though, as we move into the playoffs? Are you of the school that it's going to be like what we usually see with a lot of chalk, the top teams winning, or the fact that they're in this bubble, there's no fans, that it could be like March Madness and we see all these upsets? Where, where do you lie on that? I think it's still going to just go relatively chalk just for the first. I mean, especially in the West, I still think it's going to be Lakers Clippers in the conference finals, assuming nothing drastic happens or, or anything weird uh, happens injury wise or whatnot. It's just those teams are so much better than, than the other teams, you know? And, and, and I don't mean that in an insult, it's just look how locked in they've been. You know, the Clippers are in a little bit of an interesting situation with all these guys in and out of the bubble and stuff. And we all know the Lou Williams stuff and and that issue. And that's 10 days of quarantine. But that's also 10 days of no conditioning. And so that becomes an issue. So I think that's stuff that's going to matter and things like that. But ultimately, I think those two teams in the West will meet in the conference finals. I think, again, in the East, the East is more of a toss up. I think Milwaukee will get there. Uh, and, and part of that may depend on where the seeding ends up. But, you know, flip a coin between Boston, Toronto, Miami, and, and, and even Philly at this point. You know, like, what what are you going to get? Indy, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned with the bonus and things like that. I don't, I don't know necessarily if I'd put them in the mix. But that's four or five teams right there that you're looking at that can end up, at, you know, playing a role in the conference finals. So, mm-hmm. you, you know, I think it's going to be pretty shock. I just don't think the environment's going to change that much of the the outcome in terms of playoffs yeah vegas likes the bucks uh to come out of the east they have them at minus 150 so putting up 150 dollars so in 100 and then some of those teams you named mo the celtics sixers raptors going off bet online here plus 650 plus 750 plus 750 the heat are eight to one odds um if you had to 
gun to your head, you have to choose Milwaukee or the field. Who are you choosing and why? Yeah, that's a good one. I think I'm going Milwaukee. I just think they're they're on a mission. They've been locked in. You know, uh, we don't talk about it much. And I mean, we like media, you guys, everybody. I don't, you know, Chris Middleton doesn't get enough credit, you know, for how good he is. You know, he's damn near a 50, 40, 90 guy this year. He's averaging like 21 points a game. I think, you know, we're, we're all kind of scarred a little bit with ha- what happened last year in the playoffs, right? They went up 2-0 in the conference finals and blew it. Yep. So now we're all like, all right, well, what are they going to do? I think they're they're ready to roll. And just t- I would take them over the field, but it's, it's close. Because, you know, each of those teams, look, Miami with Bam, that's a problem for Giannis. Yeah. Philly has several big guys they could throw at Giannis and, and make things difficult. You know, Boston's a solid team. Uh Toronto, Toronto. With, you know, yeah. with Nick Nurse and and even Marcus All, like that's an issue. So I think they there's a they, the field has some some reason to be optimistic, and it, it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe hedge a little bit. But yeah. at the end, I'll take Milwaukee. In terms of Krona risk out of those teams, right? It seems like the Bucks could right if Giannis is out. If all those guys were to lose one, like it seems like they're the most reliant. If if that's your angle, if you're saying up, eh, if if that happens, <laughs> so if you had to, if you, if you had to choose one of those other four teams, who are you choosing? I'm just gonna roll with my guy Brett Brown, okay. uh, a, a little <laughs> bit, just because I think you know it's an interesting scenario with what they're doing. Uh, I think Ben Simmons has looked really good these first two games in the scrimmages. Shooting th- threes. Yeah, well, he shot two. Let's not get carried away. It's like the bull bull thing, right? Like he shot two and and, and, and made one and we all got excited. And I, even I did. But it's like, let's see if he continues that trend because I don't think he shot any today. Uh, it's, you know, I, I just think they have that ability to turn it on and and, and defensively they can be really difficult um, with or without Embiid. I think, you know, they, they can cause problems. So I think that that would be the team if I if I was placing money on it. Yeah, the Sixers are just such a tantalizing team because they have so much talent and we see flashes, especially from Embiid, where he looks like arguably the best player in the league. And then the next night he doesn't show up. I'm curious to see what his conditioning uh, is like once these games really start ramping up. A team I like in the East as a dark horse, actually your background on Skype right now, (laughs) uh, the Miami Heat. I looked this up uh, looking at their schedule. They were nine and one this year. Uh, against the Bucks, Raptors, Sixers, and Pacers, so they're they're they have a lot of confidence going against those teams. They were 0-2 against the Celtics, but Kemba's knee doesn't seem like it's fully right, so I think that could become an issue for them. So if I was picking any of those dark horse teams, I actually kind of like the Heat. They just have a lot of confidence. Jimmy Butler has a lot of experience. Bam, as you mentioned, could be a matchup problem for the Bucks and Giannis. So if I'm taking any of those dark horse teams, I like the Heat. Like looking at that record nine and one, and if they if the standings say the way they are now, where they would play the Pacers in the first round without Sabonis and Oladipo, I think that's a pretty easy matchup. Yeah, no, that's a good one. I mean, you that's I like to call them Team Swagger. I just feel like they got all of that, you know, when they walk into the gym and they feel that confidence and they're ready to roll every time they come in. I think Spolster is another great coach who's you know doesn't get the credit he fully deserves because, you know, the championships were won with LeBron and Wade and all those guys, but he's a hell of a coach. And I think there's an element with that. The thing that scares me about that team a little bit, Tyler is still depending a lot on young guys. 
Kendrick Nunn, uh, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero. Like, that's a lot of young guys. Jimmy Butler did not shoot the ball well this year. I think those are things that, that would kind of concern me, and that's the stuff that I kind of worry about come playoff times where I'd say, like, okay, well, look, we're going to play Butler for the drives. We'll, we'll risk him shooting it, you know, and we'll put the pressure on these young guys and see what happens. So mm-hmm. it's it's that's kind of one of those things where I think they're – still probably too young and even bam for that matter you know he's only played one playoff series and at that point only averaged about 14 minutes a game so you know now he's taken on a bigger role he's broken out as a hell of a player but you know it's one thing to do it in the regular season it's it's so different in the playoffs man and and the one thing i say to everybody about the playoffs is this is when the nba becomes more like the nfl like you get to sit down and game plan for the same team every night Regular season, it's tough, man. Like, you can't game plan the same way because, you know, you're playing Miami one night and on a back-to-back, then you're playing Orlando, you know, or two days later you're playing Houston. And you can't constantly be switching game plans on guys. There's just not enough time. So yeah. I think that's the, the the area. That's where I'll be interested to see how Miami deals with it. Mm-hmm. I I disagree with these lines on bet online. I wouldn't have the Celtics at, at two here at, at plus 650. Just given what you mentioned, Tyler Kemba's knee, the uncertainty there. I feel like people forget that the Raptors are the two seed here. Like they're three, they're three games up. They have Nick Nurse. They're the defending champs. Siakam seems to have taken another step. They're very deep. They have a lot of guys that could guard Giannis. Um, and, and for those odds, I kind of like they wouldn't have to see the Bucks until the conference finals, at which point you could hedge a bit if you wanted to. Um, so I, I kind of like the Raptors and to see if, if they have the championship medal and the chip on their shoulder without Kawhi there. Um, so so we shall see what happens there. But Mo, who's what's your uh, what's your finals pick here? Um, shoot, uh, it changes by the hour, really. Uh, it's it's the Bucks in the finals in the East, but in the West, I I think I'm gonna go Lakers. I just think the continuity that they have, the they're they're always kind of just rolling. I think they're gonna be the team to to go. I think Kuzma again. It's been just two games, but like I think he's looked pretty good, especially defensively. It has been pretty impressive. So I think that's something I'd keep an eye on to see if that continues because that, that would really help the team. So for me, it, it's the Lakers. But I'm telling you, man, you could ask me in an hour and a half, and I'll be like, ah, Clippers, Bucks. You know, it just changes constantly. <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah. See what you're, we'll see what you're tweeting tomorrow night. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the Clippers, if you just look at the two teams, I'll be honest. I mean, I think the Clippers have a better roster, but they just – like the thing with Lou Williams, it's yeah, it's funny to make fun of, but like, just seems like there's a little lack of focus with that team. I don't know. Like the regular season, didn't seem like they were always locked in. Obviously, they didn't have Kawhi and Paul George the whole time, but we'll see. I wanted to ask you quickly, what are what are your thoughts on Portland? Um, they're currently three and a half games out. They're getting Nurkic back. They're getting Zach Collins back. There's a lot of hype around them that if they get into that eight seed, they could cause issues for the Lakers, especially with the Lakers not having Avery Bradley and Rondo, most likely for the first round. Are you buying into that Portland hype, or do you think Memphis kind of holds them off for that eight? No, I think Portland makes the playoffs. I think Portland takes down Memphis. Part of it is Memphis's schedule in these eight games is just brutal. You know, I think that's difficult. And it'll, it, it might even come down to the very first game of the restart that these two teams play because they play each other. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's a, that's almost a must win if you're Memphis. Uh, Portland maybe can make up ground if that's, you know, even if they lose that. But Memphis has got to be thinking 
we lose this one, we're going to be in trouble. Like they got to right away come in and hit the ground. I'm with you on Port. I, I I'm with the hype on Portland's going to make the playoffs. I think they'll be there's a team the Lakers don't want to play, but it's not necessarily in the sense of like they're going to give the Lakers massive amounts of trouble. Like Lakers are still going to win that series in five games to me, uh, you know, and, and it's, you know, as much as we talk about, you know, well, who are the Lakers going to use to defend Damian Lillard and, and CJ McCollum? Great. Who's guarding LeBron, you know, for Portland? You know, Trevor Ariza was huge for them. He's not at the bubble. Like, who's guarding LeBron? I just don't. They don't have a wing guy that makes me concerned of that or anything like that. And if you don't have somebody that can slow down LeBron, you're not winning that series. So I think Portland makes the playoffs. I just don't think they beat the the, the Lakers or, or take them to seven, as some people are kind of going. Getting, you know, it's Twitter. People get excited. People like to get going a little bit. Yeah, you get a couple yeah. of likes, and then you just think, like, okay, let me just throw <laughs> off my next take, you know? Yeah. Well, Chris Chris Haynes went on the Simmons podcast and gave out that, that Trailblazers wow. pick, and I feel like we've gotten a lot of – there's been a lot of stories about it since. So we'll see. We'll yeah. see what happens. Um, but, Mo, this has been great. Thank you so much for your time. Where can our listeners follow you and uh, your writing, your podcast? All the above. Uh, yeah. Uh, easiest thing to do is just follow me on Twitter at Mo Dekeel underscore NBA, M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore NBA. Um, that's really the best place. You'll find where I write whenever something new comes up for Bleacher Report. You'll see it there. I'm on a podcast several times a week, apparently. Uh, so you, you, you'll be able to catch it there. Uh, easiest way to find me. Awesome. Thank you, Mo. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in the series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Support for Full Slate is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. Their third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped Advanced Skin Safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. This battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that drunk of yours. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FULLSLATE at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FULLSLATE, all caps, no spaces, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off for free shipping. 
Thanks again to Mo for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun learning about his background as a video coordinator, talking about his experience at the Olympics, and talking basketball, which comes back this week. And I think something Mo also taught us, Cody, which we never discovered in a year and a half of using Skype, is we could use background effects. Yes, thank you, Mo. Huge, huge value add. Yeah, so I think I currently have Office One, which is one of their defaults, but I'll be sure to play around and maybe add a custom one and could get some full slate uh, behind us. But let's talk about this week's episode of Double Shot. One of the best episodes, I think, spanning the entire two seasons, maybe the best episode yet. Just absolute madness at Poly D-Day. Uh, he DJed at a pool party during the day at Dre's. The situation was theirs, his graduation just... An unbelievable hour of television. Yeah, I don't think it's hyperbole to say. I mean, there's a real chance we're being, we're just prisoners of the moment, but it was the best episode of the show. Um, as you said, Michael comes out of jail, um, fresh to Las Vegas with Lauren's situation, and he's he's feeling cocky. He's looking great. Um, basically, last time we seen him in Jersey Shore family vacation earlier on, he's a little he's a little. Uh, chubbier goes to jail comes out he's absolutely shredded and poly d-day um i don't know if it's corona brain um but this pool party just looked like so much fun and like the craziest thing ever which it's it's they do it on purpose but um i wanted to be there for poly d-day um it looked it looked incredible um so as a starter i'll give dre's a ton of credit because uh, we had both been to Encore before in, in Las Vegas for their pool party, but Dre's might have something special here on Poly D-Day. Yeah, it looked incredible. Like, we've been there before and had a ton of fun, but Dre's just looked like <laughs> it was on another level. Obviously, is MTV shooting it, and they did an incredible job hyping incredible it up. Job. And just, like you said, Corona Brain, but, like, when is the next time we'll ever be in that atmosphere? It's going to be a while, so seeing that is a little sad, but it's also fun to feel like we were there experiencing it with them. Just absolute <laughs> craziness. Um, it was so, it was like a movie, the way they, like, shot so it with him coming incredible. out onto the stage, uh, just, like, showing all the people there. It was crazy. Like, imagine being at that, just happened to going that day and being there. Must have yeah, been a great time for poly d-day like you probably have a, a couple of good chuckles about it and uh poly d from jersey shore haha like we'll see him hit play on his laptop and that'll be that but he was it was unbelievable and michael coming out in the graduation cap and gown was just so fun he was the mayor of las vegas like he owned he owned the city for that day um in terms of the episode it was it was incredible one because you you had the pool party you, you had this situation and Lauren there but then you also had a ton of action um, you had everyone everyone's hooking up with everyone so Lauren let's let's talk about the lovebirds Lauren and Michael talked to Maria the situation talks to Maria Lauren talks to Nikki now I was I think we're gonna be on the same page about this. I was thrilled when Maria was like, yeah, maybe it's time we like just kind of cut cut the shit and, and I I talked to Vinny, whatever, we hang out. That was great. That that hookup was a long time coming. Now, Lawrence tells Nikki that um, if, if she's feeling it, if it's on her mind, she thinks she wants it, she's got to just kind of go for it, which I'm going to say this. We normally do winners and losers of every episode. 
I'm going to put Lauren's on blast. She's my loser of this episode because she may have ended Polly D's life at some point in the, <laughs> in the future by telling Nikki that she should go for it. Uh, it was, it was pretty cringeworthy to be honest, seeing Nikki's run behind the DJ booth and like hug Polly. And I was like, this is a disaster. Come on, Lauren's. Yeah. Lauren doesn't, Lauren's doesn't know what kind of time bomb she's setting off by getting them back together. Um, but it was super sweet when Polly was like, uh, Nick, Nikki, this this song is for you. Yeah. I, I think it was Rihanna, maybe. Yeah, it was, um, it, was, it was We Found Love in a Hopeless Place, which he may regret that song choice as well. Yeah, but it was it was a great moment, like you said, to see the lovebirds giving advice to Maria and Nikki, and then them acting on it. Like you said, there's been a ton of tension between Maria and Vinny, even going back to last year, because they had all their you know awkwardness. You know, we saw that come to fruition, so that was great to see. Nikki and Polly, it'll be interesting to see what happens, because as we talked about, you give Nikki, like, a little inkling of, like, ooh, maybe I could get Polly back, and she's, like, ready to marry him. Um, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm concerned an inch, for Polly. She's taking, you give her an inch, she's taking a mile. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, whatever was in the water at Dre's that day was getting everybody. Um, Brandon and Marissa hooked up again in the episode pretty ricky came back with or was back in the episode him and darren were yeah uh having a little romantic spark Susie and nick uh hooked up again so it was it was all over the place it was a wild hour of tv but i i'm gonna say my i have two winners for this episode one all of us for watching that it was incredibly entertaining and like we said just being able to see a pool party like that which we've been to um like it was just so fun like obviously we're not going to be at one of those in a while but my real winner of the episode i'm going to say is antonio because he had maybe the best line of the season (laughs) with the snacks so he's he's in his room the other couple his other two friends and their lady respective ladies are you know they're having their 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 romance time and antonio's in his bed by himself and he's like why cheat when you could have a treat and he's just eating like (laughs) He's just eating like a crispy treat. Yeah, like a Snickers bar. So incredible line. Um, Probably a little awkward for him, but just to come out with that and him just like showing him in the bed, just like eating the treat, like looking around was hilarious. And it was like a great, great, like comedic ending to the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they had like a good like how for NFL games they have like the sky cam that's above the field and like hovers over it. They had that like above Antonio as he's like shoving the Rice Krispie treat in his mouth. Um, yeah, my winner. I'm going with the situation. I can't imagine like a better post uh, jail event than that. Putting on the cap and gown, he was abs- he's absolutely shredded. He's, you can see in the hallway in the episode before he's feeling himself, he's feeling cocky, but I was just so happy for him to be back in the fold. And we're both rewatching the original Jersey Shore and to see the transformation uh, from season one Jersey Shore to where he is as a human right now is truly incredible. He, need- he needs his own TV show. Pa- I mean, Polly says it every time they have some like moment like when in the reunion when he got married they talked about it a lot and then this episode like his transformation as you said because he in the original seasons is the best because he's such an a-hole and he stirs the pot with everyone and keeps things interested and he's so like he's so obsessed with himself he has the six-pack and everything 
and now in the reunion before he went to jail he was so fat and he just <laughs> eat all the time and he was just so like positive even though he's going to jail like the whole th- he's incredible throughout the whole thing but yeah it was great to see him and the graduation when they're like he went to penn state the state penn that, that was uh very funny uh-huh. yeah yeah unbelievable um great great episode who's your loser of the uh, episode i don't know i'm having a tough time finding one maybe i'll maybe just double off what you said with lauren's kind of putting nikki onto Polly again we'll see what happens with that other than that i think everyone had a great time yeah you're either you're either hooking up in the episode or you were antonio eating a rice <laughs> crispy treat in your bed just having a blast or your B lashes just watching the drama unfold. So yeah. I thought every I thought everyone had a great episode. It was so fun. I don't know. I, I'm afraid the season peaked too early. I don't know where we go from here. I'm interested yeah, to see what happens with Nikki and Polly. will keep going. That's that's what I'm not like. That's what I'm putting on Lauren's the most. I don't want to see Nikki crying anymore. She cried again when she was talking to Lauren's, like getting emotional about Polly. I really don't want to see that. But I am interested to see how. Uh, Marie and Vinny also play out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sick of investing six minutes of every 42 minute episode in in Nikki and Polly, but it is what it is. The show season two is largely far surpassed any expectations going in. Just um, so grateful for that and grateful for sports being back. So NBA back. We'll be giving out picks and obviously be back next Sunday with another episode. And yeah, go buy uh, some Manscaped products. have pen fed that's a fact i have pen fed that's a fact my credit card purchases get me cash back my credit card purchases get me cash back no one else gets these rewards sergeant that is just plain untrue what in tarnation sir PenFed's PowerCash Rewards Card isn't just for military members. Anyone can get cash back on all purchases. Ah, friggins! You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.